Okie dokie, oh. a podcast for those addicted to the study of scripture. Welcome fellow addicts, this is your safe place to OD. Here I am. What are we going to talk about today? Today we are continuing our periodic series of interviews with special guests. <gasps> today is also no exception. We are joined by Dave Lemieux and Caitlin McCarthy of Blue Gospel Scripts. Dave and Caitlin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Dave and Caitlin. <laughs> Great to be here. And I want you to shout my name at some point in my life as loud as you just shouted Samuel's name. It doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be now, but that was really fun. <laughs> Like well, I used no to think theme way. song would be the way to go, but I think just shouting at the top of your lungs would be the just just That's satisfactory. <laughs> All right. Hold get your seatbelt on because I'm about to do it. <laughs> Dave <laughs> All right. Bucket list accomplished. Mm. All right. Well yeah. Uh you know what, Samuel, this is great because these aren't just special people. These are special people that I already know. Mm, I've actually known them for decades. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say that because they look young. I'm old. Nobody will care. But all right. You know what, though? Here's the thing. I know them, but most people that are going to be listening to this podcast don't. And so I want to take a minute here at the beginning and... If you guys just speak as if you're talking to people that you've never seen or heard of before, uh, let's just do it. Uh, Dave, who are you in the world of Blue Gospel Scripts? What role do you play? Yeah, in that particular world, they call me the author. Um, you know, it's it's a funny term because really the Bible is the bulk of the material, of course, there's some commentary and a few other things that we're doing with Blue Gospel Scripts, which is really scripture. But, you know, uh, having organized verses and, and, and turned the scripture into a script, they call me the author. Author, creator, Blue Gospel Scripts. But, of course, lots and lots of help to pull those off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I bet. Yeah. Now, uh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Some people, a lot of the people that I know, when they see musicians, they think that they're all the same. Mm. They simply were born, they picked up instruments, and they just play. It's just magic, right? right? It is. <laughs> but I know, <laughs> I know that you actually have some history. It's mm. actually more than that. So, you know what? Just how did you get to be yeah. a professional musician? Yeah, weird road. I, I yeah? did, didn't grow up in music at all. So late bloomer uh, had musical parents, but not they weren't professionals. They were uh, talented musical dabblers, I would say. And uh, out of the two of them, my mom was a little more consistently involved in music. She was uh, most of the time I was growing up. She had a few piano students and a few a few guitar students, and she would write some songs from time to time. So she was uh, consistently just you know. The, the musical person in the family, but my dad was also a drummer. He drummed in the West Point Marching Band before uh, moving on with his adult life, and I think I don't think he drummed much after college, but cool that he had I that. I never knew this. Yeah, so there you go. A little information there for you. Uh, but I didn't grow up in music. My folks actually didn't stay together. They were divorced when I was eight years old, and so we, I spent the rest of you know my growing up years just sort of surviving that you know nuclear bomb which which divorce yeah. can be and uh yeah. but i got through just fine because i had wonderful friends and i was a basketball player so i by the time i got to high school i was just saturated with with basketball and friendships and uh things like young life to kind of keep my faith strong and explore you know the bible in in, in a context outside of my house but no music at all so it wasn't, wasn't until college till i got into it and realized i had a passion for it and and some skills in in you know like Started singing a little bit then, started writing a few songs, not you know nearly what I'm doing these days, but just just kind of dipping a toe in the water and uh, eventually got a music degree out of it. <laughs> so uh, and then got the real education, of course, as as well know after college. <laughs> yeah, 
That's what that really is happens. so amazing. Yeah. So yeah. amazing. That, yeah. That, I don't know. I wish, I mean, I, you know, I wish I started younger. I, to, I, I still feel, even at, you know, age. Do we say our age? <laughs> Go do ahead. Do we say our age on the oh, yeah. podcast? Be bold. <laughs> okay. If at you're going to be uh, a bear, be a grizzly. At age 27, <laughs> I still feel, no, I, I'm 50 years old this year. At age 50, I still feel like I'm playing catch up sometimes, especially when I'm hanging out with, you know, uh, all the all the great folks we get to hang out with associated with this project, but um, I don't know. Started late, but but it's been a wonderful journey, and I wouldn't I, I can't imagine doing anything else with my life. Yeah. yeah, dude, you are like a talent magnet. Some of the people I have <laughs> seen playing with you are ridiculously good. It's right. so awesome. Well, yeah. And, and speaking I, of which, hmm. Caitlin, that's right. We've got we've she got she is one ridiculously here today. awesome. <laughs> True that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So, uh, you know what, let's break for a second. Caitlin, uh, in the world of Blue Gospel Scripts, what role are you playing up there? Well, you said, Dave said, they call me the author. I think I'm the they. You are the ah. they? I'm the they. Yep. I that. think officially speaking, I'm the editor and maybe producer? Sure. And I think we're, we're both answering the question as if we're not musicians in the project. Right. We're like sort of the ones... <laughs> you know, hovering above the project, trying to make it go. But we're also, she's heavily entrenched in all of the artistic side of Blue Gospel Scripts, not just the administrative side. So uh, yeah. it's kind of fun, you know, right? When you're a small business like ours, mm-hmm. you get to you get to wear a bunch of hats and be artistic and, and be uh, administrative when you need to be and work on the project as opposed to just in the project. So Caitlin does it all. Yeah. She probably needs your whole podcast to answer that question. Yeah. 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 No, I'm I'm the they. <laughs> I think that's and you're I'm leaving it at that. that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do admin stuff, and we work together in kind of a very Kirk and Spock kind of way, in terms yeah. of also like big picture details, vision, run towards something, versus hey, we got to do this tomorrow, and I need the following six things to line up to do it. And mm. by the way, you're going to run into a brick wall, so maybe turn to the right a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've seen it in action. It's, mm. it's awesome. <laughs> but uh, same thing, same kind of story. Uh, what is your history in terms of training, whatever? How did you grow into professional musician? It, mine's kind of the opposite, actually. I started piano when I was five. My dad's a brilliant jazz pianist, so there's always you know, Basin Street Blues and stuff running around the house. And he played for church. So all of whenever he played, there were key changes and flat nine chords and 13 chords and all of that. So that was all in my head. Mm. Even as I was growing up learning Mozart and Chopin and Brahms and all that. I went to college for music, knew that's what I was going to do. I got two degrees and um, came out and I started doing admin work for a local professional brass ensemble, which was like an MBA, basically, because I learned how to run a nonprofit. Mm. So I learned how to, you know, do the books and interface with the various levels of government and kind of hire people and get people details they need. But then with them, I also got to perform and be artistic and arrange and transcribe and have all kinds of fun. So I came in getting to be a musician with just some really incredible people. Just it was pretty much my whole experience after college. Anytime I walked into the room, I was probably the least talented impressive person in the room which was awesome i mean you most people come out of college and they're like yeah i'm gonna play with whatever i can scrape up and i just i walked right into the professional world but i came in as an admin i mean they if i tried to get into that world as a horn player which is what my degree is in, i'd still be knocking on the door Mm. yeah but i came in as an admin learned to play percussion with them and just learned how to run a business so it was great yeah. And how appropriately that fits with today, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Now, I think some of the listeners may also be wondering if you speak English. You just threw a lot of stuff at them they've never heard of. <laughs> Which is it funny. It's great. Because I, I adore foreign language. I love it. I love languages. Yet there are no 13 one? chords in, you know, <laughs> A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yeah. There, are, put, there are the way Jack, I play it. Unless you put one. <laughs> Yeah, if you guys play it, they're definitely in there. <laughs> All right, so now this, maybe both of you together sort of weave your stories together. How do you go 
from all of this history that you guys were just telling us about, how how does this all lead up to BGS? How do you guys get together and unite and and sort of BGS starts to happen? Well, you were there actually for <laughs> a lot of it. Mm. It was that choir but tour. But I'm not going to tell the story. <laughs> you should, though. It was that choir tour, in that California choir tour in 2005. 2005. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, sort of, that's your, sort of your introduction into just the world I was living in. Right. That's, right? that's kind of when we really met. That's true. And who did we meet through? Um, you were looking for... So Dave is the worship leader at this big church in Denver here that has two campuses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I've met him sort of anecdotally, just barely, and I'm playing keyboards at the other campus. That's right. So he needed a keyboard player for this trip he was doing, and I guess whoever your guy was in Aurora at the time couldn't go or something. Yeah, well, yeah, and we put together uh, you know, sort of a church unity sort of tour, uh, and, you know, I... I realized early on in my profession as a church musician that I wasn't really bent towards going to the annual conference kind of vibe and doing professional development through some of those more established channels. I was really just wanting to to get together with other local worship pastors or choir directors, you know, male and female, different cultural backgrounds and ethnicities, and just get in a tour bus together. And see what happens, you know, and, and, and Paul, you mentioned it earlier, sometimes just talented people come around each other. And I don't know, it was really interesting to me to try to reach out to some folks that I thought were just wonderful at what they did and add, you know, and different than what I do and ask them, beg them in some cases, hey, if I write some songs or arrange some songs, will you get on a tour bus with me? And can we do, you know, can we do them together, you know, in California or whatever? And people yeah. understood what I was asking. That you know, they kind of got the sense of what I was trying to do, which was just find an alternate way to do professional development, but foster church unity at the same time and perform, be an artist, right? Yeah. Uh, and so yeah. there was a lot of people who said yes to that. And when you when you got a you know a group of singers, you do need a band or an accompanist. And so yeah, Caitlin came highly recommended from the worship pastor she was working with, and. We started doing that. So that's way back in 2005. But to really answer your question, you know, over the over the years of church music, um, you know, I, I realized I really love the format of what I was finding in church land, which was sort of this block of songs up front and then uh, a sermon. But, you know, over time, over, having done that many, 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 many years in a row, I realized I'm not sure that I can do too much more with this format. I feel like I've kind of milked the format as much as possible because I was, you know, doing that consistently for 14 years. And as Paul, you may have talked about this on any other podcast, or I'm sure you've heard this, you know, two years is about the average for a worship pastor before they either just quit or move on to something else or move on to another church, right? Have you, have you heard this? I did not know it was that short. Yeah, it's about two <laughs> years. And who knows why that is, and I'm not here to really talk about that. I'm just telling you, in my experience, over 14 years, I loved it, loved every minute of it, but felt like at towards the end there wasn't much more I could do with the format. So and uh, we can segue into some of your other questions later, but I, I, I found myself in a situation where I was able to change the format, and we realized um, storytelling using a different format and using music in a different way was just really, really satisfying. And in another endeavor that I'm sure you'll bring up somewhere here in the next hour, we started we started using this format over and over again with a show that we created and then decided to say, hey, what if we take this new format to Scripture? What could happen? Is it possible that we could be you know, um, part of biblical literacy coming back, you know, uh, to maybe where it was not since, you know, it was Bible was in schools or it was just more, I don't know, back in the 50s where people just seemed to grow up and they, they knew, they, whether they believed it or not, they at least knew what was in the Bible. <laughs> right. uh, these days, it's hard to find anybody who even knows what's in the Bible because it's more fun to to either, you know, bash it or make fun of it or pretend you know or just concentrate on the things that preach well if you go to church. You know, it's it's not really revered, you know, uh, 
Yeah. Or maybe it's revered and that people want to own a Bible, but they certainly you know, don't seem to want to crack it open and, and sit down and make time to just know what's in it. And I'm included. My family's included. I'm certainly not you know, uh, extra special here. I'm just realizing, yeah, it, just realizing a problem. Yeah, it's still a good yeah. gift at a wedding. <laughs> it sure is. Or a christening, yeah. even. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm realizing, here we are, we're talking about all this stuff, mm. and so people are getting an idea. This is who Dave is. This is mm. who Caitlin is. They're, they're starting to get the picture, and yet we don't know anything about mm. Blue Gospel Scripts. You mentioned other shows or organizations or whatever and you know what Hmm. i'm missing samuel right now yeah (laughs) samuel you don't know anything about this stuff so you know what i want you to educate yourself Mm -hmm. right here right now live with these two people Mm -hmm. find out what blue gospel scripts is Mm. yeah I, i mean i know that there's some connection between you two and paul because i've seen one of the shows that you have recorded in Paul is he had a cameo in it. Um, but right beyond awesome. that, it's, it's a little bit of a mystery for me. So mm-hmm. for our listeners who are brand new to blue gospel scripts and for myself, could you officially explain what this ministry is? That's BGS. We'd we love hope, to. We were hoping you'd explain it to us. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No, I'll uh, I'll jump in and have Caitlin fill in the gaps and, and uh, kind of make this make sense if I'm rambling on for too long. But basically, Blue Gospel Scripts is a series of scripts that can either be performed on a stage or recorded and be held, you know, through a video format. Basically, it's turning all of Scripture into hour-long episodes that, uh, you know, uh, give you a shot at, at having basically the Bible in a year, uh, but, but um, not your own personal Bible study where you're, you're reading the Bible all alone by yourself. This, this incorporates a community, a creative community, telling you the story in sort of a table read format, but also music video format the music is used to drive the story forward so imagine a five minute you know a little dialogue around his table and then a and then music a song that sort of pushes you to the next chapter or the next uh, part of the story and it just continues on like this six different narration scenes six different songs plus uh, four or five minutes of each episode is dedicated to just you know footage of the holy land we've made several trips to israel several trips overseas to parts of europe where paul would have traveled and the beginnings of the church in the first century and just trying to do our research and add a little bit of commentary where you need to of course sometimes just reading something out of the bible cold or even in context it could be confusing so we add we add bits here of explanation but it's not like a sermon right a sermon usually is as a small portion of scripture with quite a bit of explanation right explanation, exposition, a lot of stuff around that that small content. We're going the opposite way just because we feel like there's a niche for it. We, we don't see any format out there where people are just, you know, gathering, cracking open the Word of God and just sort of reading it for an hour. I mean, no one would really stand for that until they try it. You know, you try that and may, who knows, maybe that would work. But we're, we're taking our creative skills and adding some layers and a development to sort of that concept of just reading out loud for an hour. And and frankly, they used to do this in ancient times. The the Lord commanded, you know, Moses, for instance, hey, get the whole community together, open up the law that I gave you, that I painstakingly gave you on the mountaintop, and read it to everyone. And other kings of Israel did the same thing. And then other, you know, different kings would forget completely about God, forget about the law, you know, physically put the book away, if you will, and it just would sit somewhere gathering dust, and then, you know, some other king would come along and blow the dust off of it and read it to the whole community. More than one time in Scripture, the Lord commands, you know, folks to gather and read the entirety of the Mosaic Law. We don't have anything in our culture that's like that today, where you just, everybody gathers and you're just reading. So we're going back to something that's ancient, but we're trying to do it in a creative, compelling way by adding, you know, some layers to it and, and a little bit of commentary. And, and uh, Caitlin, when she's on screen, she's usually giving some history and background and, and context to, to what's happening. So uh, we're enjoying it so much, mostly because it's a creative approach to reading Scripture. 
it's a multimedia approach to ending biblical illiteracy. Yep. If, if biblical illiteracy is the problem, we want this to be at least a part of the solution. Because, of course, once these are produced and in the can, they will exist for all time. Anybody can access them, blow the dust off them if they want to, and take their <laughs> community right. through the Bible. Yeah. Music, media, that is an, monologue. Amazing. Mm. Like, you, you said the word niche, and mm. I think that that fits perfectly because I can't recall other organizations, other groups of people that are doing the types of things that you just told us and our listeners right now. I just think that's amazing that you're using your gifts and your talents in such a unique way to reach people Mm. in multiple different capacities. Part of our mission is we hope to inspire other people to do the same, to use their unique gifts and their unique talents to serve their community in the way that only they can. This is what we can do. But mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, you know, in seminaries, you're, you know, if you're going the track of, you know, kind of the church track, you are, you're in general, you're being trained to be a preacher. Preaching is, is a different skill than, you know, what's happening here. This, this actually could, could come off without any explanation, you know, because the Bible speaks loudly for itself. We have found that there are times where we want to add, you know, some of the commentary and history. But if you took all that away and you still just had, say, someone reading the Bible and then some songs driving that story forward, I think it would it would almost be equally effective. It would be fun to, you know, <laughs> try that one day, just have <laughs> the Bible speak completely on its own for an hour and, and see what happens. But anyway, mm-hmm. because we're creative, we can't help ourselves. You know, we, we have to we have to add a little <laughs> add a little something now you mentioned like ending biblical illiteracy. Yeah. Would you all say that that is one of the primary reasons that BGS got started, or was that a contributing factor to it? Is there sort of an origin story as to what got the cogs moving to that resulted in what you all are doing now? Yeah, I think it's probably just a uh, a crossroads of a couple of ideas. One is, you know, realizing that this format, you know, where it's shorter narrations with, you know, song breaking up the hour into into smaller chunks. We are having so much fun with that with a program that we'll tell you about in a bit here that we do in schools all over the world. It's just been really a joy to be creative in that environment and have people, you know, retain information and and be inspired by a story. So we just love to tell stories. But particularly with the Bible, you know, I, I, I've got two kids. Uh, one of them just got out of her teens. She turned 20. The other one's 18. But raising teenagers, uh, asking great questions, um, you know, I just realized biblical illiteracy is in my own house and certainly in my community, in my church, definitely in my country. And I'm assuming, at, you know, it's all over the world. There's just not a large percentage of people living on planet earth that that really know the scriptures really well you know i think unless you're called into ministry and you've attended seminary or something you just you just don't know it that well and it's probably because it's a long book it can be tricky it's a very unique book right all kinds of writing in there you don't know if you're reading symbolism or you don't know you know what to take literally you don't know how to 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 take certain things that maybe were written for a particular audience and apply it to your own context. You know, what do you make of some of the very difficult passages, things that you never hear preached and the things that really challenge you to think beyond the world you can see, right? If you want to, you want to be labeled crazy, just start reading any parts of the Bible out loud that are kind of the, the invisible world, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the world of the, Spirit, you know, whether that's the Holy Spirit or the, all the unholy spirits, you start talking like that, and and you're dismissed pretty quickly in our culture. I think. Yeah, uh, but the, it's too bad they don't have a podcast or something like that where they, you know, really <laughs> dive only. deep into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If only I, somebody were using their gifts to do that. I know. I think in honor of Paul and Samuel, I'm just going to start literally walking down the street. And just talk about things that are invisible, and just see how many people, <laughs> see how many people want to engage on that. <laughs> Please video that if you would. <laughs> I would subscribe. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Now, how does the word blue fit into all of this? That does seem like I, I can understand the the gospel and the scripts, but yeah. that that first term seems a little bit unique and 
potentially odd for people to hear. So how does that fit into it? Such an awesome question. I'll see if Caitlin's been paying attention. Go, Caitlin. Well, the the answer from the historian perspective is mm-hmm. we did an album in 2013 and didn't know what to call it. <laughs> and somebody in a church where we were playing said, really, what kind of style of music is this? And Dave said, I don't know. And I think the pastor said, it's kind of like a blue gospel. And we're like, that's it. That's what it is. That's what this style is. Yeah. And it's a little bit of both musically. Um, but as we were looking for something, it also applies to <laughs> it applies to life. It applies to the gospel itself. There's um, Dave really talks about kind of marrying those two terms. So in this world, you will have trouble, and that's the blues. But take heart. I, take heart. I have overcome the world, and that's the gospel. So you get those together. It speaks to what the Bible is about, but it also speaks to the kind of music and the kind of production you're going to hear. And then scripts, of course, I think tells you production and talking and theater and, I don't know, some kind of pageantry a little bit. Yeah, and I, yeah, sure. On, on the real basic level, it's supposed to be a bit descriptive. So if you hear blue gospel scripts, it should evoke something that you know allows you to understand at least a feeling that you're going to get by watching something like this. Right. If you take off the word blue and call it gospel scripts, it's not quite as many feeling words that allow you to know before you even see it what you're going to hear. <laughs> but on a less, you know, on a real artsy kind of level, uh, the blues scale to me is really foundational in what we're doing. Because if you think about it, and Paul would know this as a musician, Samuel, I'm not sure what your musical background is. Uh, musician? A little bit. Okay, good. That's good. Well, anybody who who is a musician would would have heard the term blues scale, and really that includes the notes that would make a you know a major or minor scale major or minor, but it includes both of those notes, right? So to me, uh, when you're playing something, playing a guitar, for instance, and you bend a note or you you, you do a a blues scale on a guitar, or you're playing blues music. You're, you're, you've got a major and minor thing sort of happening, and it doesn't compete somehow. It really just is, mm. it, it melds together in a way that feels like real life, right? How often in life is your day all one thing? Is it all major? Is it all, you know, this sort of happy experience? Or is it all sad and, and depressing? Usually it's some somewhere in the middle, and, and a lot of things are happening at once. And I think there's there's a texture to a blues scale that you don't find in a major or minor scale. And of course, there's other types of scales, but you know this is not music class. <laughs> but 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 let's uh, but let's talk about music some more. Um, yeah. Please do. Yeah, the the, the blue gospel uh, is both of those are actually music genres, uh, but they're also you know words that we find outside of of the music domain. So it can it can mean many things. But I think for us, there's an artsy reason why we chose it. You know, the the you're going to hear a lot of blues music. You're going to hear a lot of gospel music. You're going to get that feeling of, you know, life. When you're reading scripture, there's all kinds of very difficult things in there. You know, crucifixion of Christ, for instance, is, <laughs> is a little more bluesy than it is, you know, uh, Mozart sonata uh, <laughs> in a major key. So, uh, yeah, that's a long answer to your short question, Samuel. Oh, I love that theme. I mean, I think it showcases two very distinct realities that we all go through in life, the challenge and the hardship. And I mean, it kind of speaks to blues music in general and how, yeah. on how that genre speaks to so many different themes about life. It's not just all mm-hmm. sadness and mopiness. Like the blues can be yeah. happy blues or hopeful blues or sojourning blues. And right. you can take that narrative and you can apply it to like God's story in the scripture. So I think that's amazing how you all have been inspired in that way sure and it goes on and on right it's like, i mean the metaphors are never ending like you the bible says we're basically behind enemy lines but you know there's also joy to be had here how do you reconcile that how do you you know reconcile uh easter and good friday how do you you know it, it just it, there's so many examples of of trying to figure out how to to, to to reconcile things that are paradoxical. And I think the blue, yeah. scale, blue scale is one of those things, you, if you're a musician, you understand right away how that works. In true okie-dokie-most fashion, I would say that that sounds very Jewish. Mm, sure. <laughs> That's right. Um, speaking of the scriptures, I'm, I'm getting the sense that you all are trying to cover the entire 
scripture in, let's just say, 50 shows, maybe some more Mm -hmm. uh, in a calendar year. For most folks, including myself, that seems like a tall task. Like Paul and I are just, I can't believe how slow we're going through the Gospels right now, (laughs) let alone our attempt to try to go through the whole scripture. So like whose (laughs) idea was that to, you know, put yourself up to a task as big as that? Well, A, we're not trying to produce them all in a year. Okay. And it's been many years. I think Dave started writing in January 2016. Hmm. So there were a lot of years of just script writing before we put it on a stage in front of everybody. And there were a few years of being on stages before we started doing any videos. So ultimately, when there are 52, it is something you someone could consume in a year, but it's certainly not something we're going to produce in a year. We can produce okay. eight videos in a year. Yep. And that's about it. That sounds so, so the, much easier. Do the math. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah we, we figure, you know, to keep ourselves on the straight and narrow, you got to put a goal out there that's going to take you some time. So <laughs> we figure to be doing this, you know, for a good five or six years before we would consider it done. And in the meantime, you know, in the meantime, there's plenty of things that you can do. You'll have uh, some churches and universities and schools and parachurches taking whatever we you know, feed them when we have it. We're working on an eight-episode series at the moment. So if you've got 52 episodes that are you know, need to be in the can before it's all done, you, you know, we're, we're doing them in chunks. So we're doing eight right now that are all using the Book of Acts as sort of the foundational text. Um, and jumping off into some of Paul's letters, because if you know anything about the book of Acts, uh, that's where you meet the Apostle Paul. You get to kind of hear about him in the Bible for the first time, and then you get to go on his journey with him, and he was a literal journeyer, right? He was the one known as the the, the missionary and, and went off on three very well-documented long missionary trips around the Mediterranean, and so he would start churches, you know, or meet somebody and start and have them start a church in some town in, you know, modern day Turkey. And then he would write a letter to that church. So because Acts is the is the foundational text, we get to actually jump into some of his letters, too, because we're sort of going chronologically through his journeys, but also jumping ahead, you know, so, hey, in this episode, we see Paul, he's sitting here in Philippi and oh look, he meets these people and starts a church. Why don't we get into the letter to the Philippians that he wrote a few years later and see, kind of make some connections between his visit there and his letter there. So uh, it's fun. It's a fun way to go through the New Testament uh, somewhat chronologically, but also giving yourself an excuse to read his letters, uh, even though he wrote them later, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Samuel, I'm going to sneak in. Mm-hmm. Do it. I- I, I, you guys are talking about doing these as videos, mm-hmm. and we'll talk, we'll give everybody the information so they know how to find all that stuff. Yeah. But I know that you guys started these as live shows. Right. And because I know you personally, I know, well, at least I believe I know, <laughs> if you had your preference, you would be doing live shows. Now, why is that? Yeah. Why do we start live, or why would we prefer to be doing live right now? Yes. <laughs> Both. I, I think that I'll take. Can I take the second part first, uh, Jack? Please. Just kidding. I, I know your name's not Jack, but that sounds more like a, a game show host. Um, it's not Alex. I'm yeah, Alex. I'm stealing oh, that Alex. from a movie. I can't remember the name of the movie. Anyway, the second part. So, uh, live versus video. To me, it really didn't matter. To be honest, I, I, my my main concern when I started this was was seeing if it was even possible to break the Bible down in this way chronologically and write a script that that was coherent and made any sense and wasn't you know boring and and maybe served a felt need. Uh, so I just I was mostly concerned about the script itself, not the medium of performance. And so that was how this started. The first you know three years really were just script, script, script. You know, you can imagine, I'll, I'll tell you exactly kind of how that worked. I, I would drop one of my children off to one of their activities before they could drive. And those activities are always a terrible length of time in some, some part of town where, you know, what are you going to do? So you're waiting, sitting around for 
anywhere from 90 minutes to, you know, two and a half hours just sort of trying to kill time because you're not going to go home in traffic. So, you know, I would just find a coffee shop and start writing and continue writing and, and just move through the Bible, studying and, you know, trying to see if I could figure out the chronology and do what you might do if you're, you know, headed to seminary and trying to to, to preach or teach this kind of stuff, you know, on university level. So, I just sort of gave myself an education, and it was glorious, right? Because when I wasn't doing that, I'd just go find a movie theater and watch a movie by myself. And, and you can only do that f- – how many, how many times can you do that? <laughs> yeah, so once. I much I preferred think. to get you know, dive into the word like this as my own just personal education. And uh, I wasn't clear, to be honest, how exactly we were going to put these out. You know, is this inevitably a live thing? Is this a new format for church? If it's a new format for church, then yeah, we're, we need to put this, you know, into a live context. So I don't know. We talked to our board about it. Caitlin and I talked about it from time to time and did much more back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I don't know exactly what made us decide to put it on stage. I think we were a little scared of video at the beginning because in my, my only context up to that point is that video is very, very expensive. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just weren't ready to spend that kind of money on this type of thing that was so new. I mean, we had didn't really know what the long term fruit was going to be. So it was I wasn't going to mortgage my house or you know take out a big loan to try to hire a whole bunch of people to to do this for us. So it was great that we started live because that was definitely the cheapest way to go. But when COVID hit, yeah. we did pivot right away to video, and we actually started with the other show paul the school show and uh cut yeah. our cut our teeth on that and then uh you know just just threw a couple of scripts together just to see if we could even do it and we ha- i'll tell you what in 18 months we have gotten an education on how mm-hmm. to produce uh you know film it's it it's been a joy and 15 months <laughs> yeah last I mean, march right less than 18 months so, you know, you, you just learn. You learn what you need to learn, and you, you sit there and you take your lumps. I mean, I had, I've had people look right at me and say, you are missing this by a mile. Like, oh, my. Yeah, you are not even close. And I'm telling you this because I love you, and I want you to get oh. closer, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, Caitlin can tell you. She was there when I was told that, you know, by two uh, very good friends of mine. And they were yeah. they were at least as blunt as I just made it sound. So, you know, you learn and you 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 go forward. And I enjoy it. Yeah. You know, I've always always loved good film uh and anything, you know, anything that's really well produced, I've always always loved. I didn't grow up going to Broadway, I grew up going to movies. So, I'm comfortable yeah. on 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 the screen world whereas yeah. other people might be comfortable on stage. Paul, you and I, like me. you you know me as a stage person, basically because yeah. churches have stages, and I was such a church guy for so many years. Um, but you know, who knows if I hadn't been in church work, had I gone right into movie work? I don't know. Yeah, we'll never know. Well, I can tell you this: as a disinterested third party observer. <laughs> <laughs> Your skills at producing the videos, etc., mm. have increased dramatically, and it's uh, it's amazing to watch from the outside because you're not you're not in it. You Crash just get to course. see the effect. <laughs> yeah. We've got a oh. third person we have to thank for that too. We have a third staff member who had to learn a whole new thing. She did graphic design, but just like two D, you know, stationary flat graphic design, and had to learn how to do motion graphics. Oh, and sure. she had well, the most to learn and had to learn it the fastest. Well, you are welcome to name drop or not. It's your choice. Mm. That's the lovely and talented Julie McCluskey. True that. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, Samuel. I didn't mean to break in too much. Why don't you, why don't you go on and let them talk about uh, At the Table, more of the music, all that stuff. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I know that you all are juggling more than one hat, set of hats, um, and that there's these other, I don't know if you want to call them organizations, ministries, things that you all are in charge of um, alongside of Blue Gospel Scripts. And two of those are ATT, which is known as At the Table, Mm -hmm. and the other one is More Than Music. Um, I mean, our main focus is going to be Blue Gospel Scripts, but we wanted to give you some space to uh, 
address those things too and how they fit into BGS as well. Mm-hmm. Caitlin can take that. I'll just tell you, More Than Music is really just the name of our nonprofit. So that's sort of the umbrella mm-hmm. under which we would produce anything or travel. Yeah. Uh, but Caitlin can talk about At the Table. Yeah. So under our nonprofit umbrella, we have basically the two big programs, Blue Gospel Scripts and then At the Table with Dr. King. Paul, you were there for the beginning of At the Table, too. Um, It's grown into a school program and put together with some help from some educators who are part of our group. Started touring it through a hilarious set of circumstances in January 2011. And we spent a lot of time presenting this program in schools kind of all over the place. And it's the format that we stole for at the table. Mm-hmm. So it's an hour long. It's an for, assembly. For Blue Sorry for blue gospel scripts. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we take a band into a school and we spend an hour talking to them about the concept of calling and the fact that they have one, they need to pay attention to it. And here's how you do that. And we use the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. As our example. So he had a moment when he was 26 years old, when he was called And he speaks very powerfully about this moment, and someone recorded it during a sermon. So we play the audio of Dr. King talking about this moment when he says, I heard the voice of Jesus say, stand up for truth, stand up for righteousness, stand up for justice, and you will not be alone. So we play that for the students. We've taken our band of like 10 musicians into the schools. Mm. We play them some music from the era. We tell them about kind of what a calling is and then how Dr. King lived that out. And so they're getting a history lesson. But they're also getting a challenge at the end that says, okay, he had his moment of calling to serve his community, and here's what he did. He had a choice to make, and he chose to listen to the voice that told him to stand up for truth and righteousness and justice. And that was not easy. And guess what? You have that same challenge, too. You're going to face a moment when you're going to have to choose what voice you're going to listen to and what you're going to do and how you're going to use your gifts And maybe no one's ever told you that. You have unique gifts. How are you going to use those to serve your community? So, hey, you seventh grader who's kind of freaking out and focusing on your own life, Mm -hmm. take off your blinders, look at the community around you, and see what you can do that nobody else can do to serve them. You need to listen for that. Listen to the voice. We can't go in and say God has a call in your life, but we can tell them there's a caller who's going to call you, and you got to listen for it. Sure, because it's Dr. King's story. So mm-hmm. he's in their history books. And, we, yeah, sure, you don't bring a pulpit into a public school, but you can certainly tell stories. Yeah, you can tell stories that they're already being told and just, you know, give them the rest of the mm-hmm. story. Uh, we love King as the example because, you know, he answered his call in the midst of death threats. So that's what Caitlin's talking yeah. about. You know, there were there were other voices in his life, voices telling him they're going to kill him. Mm-hmm. You know, stop doing what you're doing. Literally a voice on the phone. That's right. And then he had yeah. this, you know, other voice telling him to stand up for truth and justice. And so it's very compelling. But we also love to talk about him because of, uh, as Caitlin mentioned, the era in which he was alive and, and was leading the civil rights movement was such a wonderful musical era and music paid such a played played an amazing role in the civil rights yeah. movement and so as creatives and musicians you know we could tell lots of people's stories i suppose but to tell his story is really cool because at all the rallies that he was a part of there was always music and amazing music timeless mm-hmm. music you know sung by Mahalia Jackson or somebody just and we get to do that Caitlin said, we tell them things in schools. That's true. But I would almost argue that it's more we show them. We, it's, mm-hmm. it's show and tell yeah. for sure. A lot of showing what, what, uh, what the civil rights movement was like and particularly King's role. So anyway, that's, that's what we've been doing and will continue to do for many years to come. And how Blue Gospel Scripts came about is because that show was successful. And so we wanted to transplant the success of that show onto scripture and ask the what if question hey if this if it works this way on this story in schools can it work with scripture in a different kind of context yeah, and if, if it can we'll be busy forever you know it's successful in more than just a sense that people like it and want to hear it it's successful in that it gets the message across yeah and you pick you know take a room of students anywhere in the world mm-hmm. and if we found that by kind of switching up that format, you hear a song and then you watch a little video and then someone tells you a little story and it's constantly shifting. Mm-hmm. They're, they're yeah. right with you, you know. 
sixth graders, 12th graders, kids in India, kids in Israel, whatever. Adults. Adults, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the teachers. <laughs> so the format is super, aside from the message and all of that, the format is really powerful and successful. Thank God. Thank mm-hmm. God. And I think that's amazing that like you're offering such a a high but rewarding and fulfilling challenge to youth mm. that age. I would say that I didn't hear a whole I heard more about calling whenever I started college than I did in my adolescence. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are very d- dismissive of youth because of their their season of psychological, mental, emotional development. And I think maybe people don't realize how important that stage is and like offering those challenges can actually mold them into a person of integrity and God's narrative being written onto their heart so that they go and live that out when they become an adult. So I just think that's awesome that you have that conviction to reach children of that age because they need it, you know, as desperately as adults do. Yeah. I think, I think before 1999, which was the Columbine shooting, before 1999, at least in the United States, I can't speak for the rest of the world, I think, you know, the dangers of aimlessness and let's just, you know, say, let's let's use a ex- more extreme word, evil. The dangers of, you know, either an aimless teenager or kind of an evil force at work in, a, in the life of a youngster, you know, what's the worst that could happen? before 1999, right? In our minds, we wouldn't have ever dreamed that it was an option for somebody to show up at school with guns and just start firing away, right? Well, now that's an option. Yeah. Now that's an option for kids. And it's and it's it's only become, you know, COVID aside, it was the, the it was it was going up 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 the amount of mass shootings and violence in schools. So it's really important that we message, you know, students these days with this vital uh, sort of topic of hey you're important you you mm-hmm. and community matters and yeah. you are a part of your community you start taking yourself removing yourself putting yourself on the sidelines for community or trying to take somebody else out because you're mad at them or whatever whatever spirals happening you know the, the, what's real is your value to your community and if it, you know if I could really preach to them I'd say your your value you know is God loves you, right? You are loved. You are important. You've been created with purpose, and call, calling is about the closest we can come to that, right? We can we can yeah. show them what what a person called looks like because King King talks about it so so well, and we get to tell them that story, and then at the end, let them know that they're they're they are Dr. King. They can be called too. Learn how to listen. Learn how to listen for that calling. Spend your days listening as opposed to. Just despairing, you know, or shutting it all out, looking at your phone all day or whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever's causing you to spiral downward, you know. See, this is why Mm. we are having an interview with you two right Mm. now. Mm. Here, you are two people. You could take you, put you in any other situation with your talent, education, et cetera, et cetera, all of those things, training. Mm. You could be successful in any realm. Let's just be honest. Any realm. But you've chosen to apply it all to God, kingdom, community, kids, all these things that you're talking about, and and biblical literacy, all those things. This is why we want to highlight it, and this is why we want people to fall in love with you Mm. the way that we all have, right? So this is awesome. Well, Paul, I hope you know know the love— is a two-way street right now because I was so sad when you moved away from my town. But yeah, I'm so I'm, glad that God's got you doing what you're supposed to be doing. I'm still upset about it. <laughs> really, this this yeah. comes up in conversation. That's <laughs> true. Caitlin's going to take a while to get over it. I guess that's a Spock thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. my neural pathways are accustomed to certain sensory inputs, and you remove that, and I'm like, wait a minute, there's an error. There's an error. There's wait, an error. Do you have a nerd alert button? <laughs> yeah. 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 We're going to have to do a, a, a deliverance ministry here. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and, you know, the other thing is I'm listening to all this stuff, and the other thing that's amazing to me is how it is. Hmm. Not that you were willing, but you even have time to do this interview. It's just amazing to me. 
Amazing. <laughs> I'm gonna, I plead the fifth so we can keep moving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, you know what? Here's what I, I want to go back. I, I want to talk about something because you've already brought it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were talking about biblical illiteracy. You, you basically laid that out as a problem. Yeah. And I don't want to limit it to that, but you've already sort of laid the groundwork for that. And what I'm really getting at with this question now is, okay, going back to why. Why did you do Blue Gospel Scripts? Okay, the, the thing is, you saw something. This is, I think this is going to become a staple in all of our in- interviews, Samuel. Mm. You saw something that was either a problem or a hole or a gap or something. And, and, and it wasn't just that you saw it, but somehow you felt like you could fix it. Uh-huh. Or fill it, or bridge the you know whatever it was. Okay, so what exactly was it that you saw mm-hmm. that you thought you could fix? It was easy, um, sensitive topic. But um, Paul, you're a sensitive guy, so I think I can just speak freely here. Samuel, I've got I, tissues. You sound I'm like a sensitive guy to me too. <laughs> um, I have a lovely friend who. Uh, lived in Denver quite a few years of her life, doesn't anymore. But uh, she and I connected on a songwriting level for years. And at some point uh, over the course of our our working together, she had a crisis of faith. I'm not certain that she would classify it as that, but she asked an amazing question that sort of haunted me. Her question was, Am I more more not not I me but she's talking about herself. Am I more moral than God? That was her question. She was on mm. a search. She was on a spiritual search, and she said, "Am I more moral than God? Because I have got a, I've got a couple kids, and I can't think of anything those kids could ever do for me to see either one of them end up in a place of eternal you know destruction." Ah. Okay. That was her question. Am I more moral than God? And so that, you know, this is a person I care about, and I I would love to know an answer to that. And not a quick Christian cliche answer, but a real, you know, answer based in Scripture, ideally, right? Something that God may be addressed in one way or another. Think about the flood, right? If If you don't... You know, if you haven't really examined all of the scriptural basis for the flood or whatever, you could you could really get tripped up on something like that. Hey, you know, wait a minute. Uh, I'm told that we're all God's children. I'm told we're all created in the image of God. And then he drowned everybody on earth. Wait a minute. What would my kids have to do for me to drown them? Mm-hmm. This This was the real dilemma for her okay yeah so i'm telling you paul without telling you all the answers that i feel like i've you know maybe come across in this study i can just tell you that was the impetus for me was you know outside of just my own family and wanting to be good you know with my kids of giving them some some more foundational truths and so forth it was really that haunting question that because I, i i wanted to know you know, yeah. I want to know how to answer her question, is she more moral than God? And I don't want to just tell her, hey, you're the clay, he's the potter, shush. You right, know? right. I didn't, that wasn't good enough. I, yeah, I, I wasn't ready know. for this answer, Dave. I feel like you hit me with a baseball bat. But mm-hmm. good. I'm going to ask anyway. Sure. So, so here we are. Time has passed. Time has passed. Much, has, much time has passed. 11 years. How? is Blue Gospel Scripts. I mean, how do you see that it is, it's actually applicable? It's, it's fixing, it's filling, it's, it's bridging, right? Yeah. Well, I, for one thing, it's, really, it's helped me with that question. And that's one of the tougher questions. I mean, I've, my kids ask questions, I've heard other questions, I've had my own questions, but that one that she asked was the haunting one, like, wait a second, you know, it, it does feel a little bit logically inconsistent to say, we are all something, okay? yeah. God's children. This was her inference. She didn't say those words out loud. She was inferring that God kills his own children is basically what she was inferring. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, when you read scripture all the way through, and maybe 
if you're a novice, start with the Gospels. All over the Gospels, I believe that Jesus challenges that notion that we are all God's children. I believe at every turn that he can, he challenges that notion. And he talks very much about wheat and weeds, light and darkness. Um, he, and he has, he has yeah, sheep and wolves. He has no trouble bringing up the devil, uh, you know, and, and things unseen. And from a logical standpoint, I think some of the questions we, you know, career Christians need to ask is, if the Holy Spirit can overshadow a human being like Mary and produce something from that yeah. yes is it logically consistent to assume that an unholy spirit cannot do the same thing okay and if you take that all the way down to its logical conclusion i think the question that the bible raises that that helps answer her question am i more moral than god is are we really all god's children are there beings that were not God's idea? And in the flood, who really drowned? You yeah. know, someone needs to argue to me biblically that those were all God's children that drowned in that flood. I need to hear a biblical argument for that. Um, so think, th- things like that, I'm learning as I go. And I'm not trying to claim that I have all the answers. I'm just claiming that, you know, if you read the Gospels and you listen to Jesus talk, I think it would be a really hard case to make that we are all God's children. And, for instance, if there's a wolf in a sheep pen, what person, in, what shepherd in their right mind would look at all the sheep and the wolf and see sameness? Right, and what loving shepherd would allow that wolf to wreak havoc amongst those sheep? Yeah, and when you drown that wolf, is that not a loving act? Right. Okay. Ask the hard yeah. questions, friends. Ask the hard questions, friends. Don't don't repeat what you've learned. You know, in some context that is not your own. You know, personal Bible study with bouncing it off of others and really. Doing the work. Do the work of scriptural study, and there are things you learn that can help. Yeah. See, it's so important, and Samuel and I, I think we addressed this along the way through the podcast, and I know we're going to do it some more. All, well, I don't even know how to say this and still be nice. Mm. It is very prevalent in the church, let's say in America— that people simply will not ask the hard questions like you're talking about. They won't answer the hard questions, mostly because they can't. Mm -hmm. They want to deflect. They want to hide. They want to ignore. And from our perspective, now again, your world, our world, they're very different. Sure. In in many ways. But it's, it's so much of it goes back to a lack of understanding about so many basic principles. Hmm. And we have built misunderstanding upon misunderstanding upon misunderstanding. And so when you get to the end of that, everything that we are taught, usually as Christians in America, let's say, Hmm. when somebody asks hard questions like that, you feel like they make so much sense and that they are so unanswerable that you do experience a crisis of faith. And so if what you're aiming to do and if you're hoping Blue Gospel Scripts is accomplishing and all of that is to help people address, face those kind of questions with a lot more ammunition Mm -hmm. than they've been given over the past decades, buddy, we are on the same team. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad. Yeah, you know, and... It's tricky to talk about. I'm I'm not um, I'm not that guy who just thrives on throwing stuff in people's faces and you know gets a kick out of uh, talking about hard things or or crazy stuff. You know I'm not I'm not looking for that kind of attention. Um, but I can tell you as a musician and as a singer songwriter, you know I've developed into 
uh, someone who does actually enjoy trying to unravel some hard concepts in an artistic way, right? It's it's yeah. what's the what's the most beautiful scene in Les Mes, for instance? It's you know the the the, the guy steals the candlesticks and the, the comes back. He's caught, and the other guy says, "Hey, you know, you forgot the silverware." He's trying to he's trying to to demonstrate this incredible concept of grace, you know, yeah. in an artistic way. Of course, you can stand up and say, "Hey, you know, God is a God of grace," or you know. But but it's incredibly powerful to see a moment like that in Les Mis. So I love artistically yeah. to be able to write a song, you know, called Shook and throw that into an Easter script when we're trying to imagine slash slash research what was Jesus doing between, you know, his death and resurrection and what sorts of implications might that have? Is there any biblical information that leads us to any conclusions of what was going on for three days? You know, and there may or may not be some, you know, some things that we can clearly say he was doing. But in the meantime, it's, the ground shook. And it says, yeah. and the Bible says, heaven shook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what's going on there? So we write a song, and, and it, it, somewhere in the middle of the song, it's like, hey, when they tell you there's a heaven and say you'll want to go, remind them heaven's angels preferred the earth below. You know, this is this was part of the original, part of the original fall. Uh, you know, right. some, something to do in the beginning in Genesis, and something described in Revelation. You know, a third of heaven fell to the earth. It's like these are amazing things that that all are meaningful. They help explain some of the real craziness. You know that that living on planet Earth is, and yeah. so tread lightly is kind of the message of that song. Don't don't go. Don't go with your big preacher stick, you know, when somebody has a real authentic question or is really, really struggling. Like, it's okay to take a step back, I think is another line. Yeah. That's, is that your, that's your line. You like that line. It's okay to, what's the line? When the earth moves under your feet, it's, it's a bridge. Yeah. It's okay to take a step back or at least just take a beat. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know. Let's pause. just. Uh, and then there's a little pause. There is a little pause. And then pause. the song resumes. <laughs> right. So artistically, nice. it is, it's a total joy to just try to wrestle with some of the, the big stuff, you know, in, a, in an artistic way as opposed to a preacher. I'm not a preacher. I'm sure there are preachers that would handle it differently and, and handle it well in their own context, but we do it artistically. Part of what makes this fun, speaking as the they, uh-huh. is watching kind of this gift of his develop too, because mm. he's really gifted with unique perspective, yeah. things that because you know, he's in his head so much, things that kind of swirl around in there and come That's out in true. ways that really make you see something differently mm. or understand something differently or just think about it. So you may not delight in, you know, being in people's faces with hard questions, but I think, I mean, you excel at making people think, mm. and we're all very appreciative of that. Yeah, I wish we'd all just sit around and think so we wouldn't have to talk. That's right. You know what? That's Did I our say that motto. We're, we're bringing brains back. <laughs> hey, Samuel here, back in the editing room of the Okie Dokie Most podcast. We hope that you have enjoyed this conversation that we have had with Dave and Caitlin from Blue Gospel Scripts. I know that Paul and I did. We enjoyed it so much that the conversation went on for almost an entire additional hour than what we had orig- originally expected. And so we're actually going to make this a two-part interview series and pick up the next time we release an interview episode where we'll continue this conversation with them. And instead of doing our normal outro where we say our normal things and we we share our normal outro music, we are actually going to give you all a piece of the music that Blue Gospel Scripts dedicates their lives and their ministry to uh, so that you can get to experience the message that God is pouring through their lives uh, through these words and these tunes that they're making so we hope that you enjoy this song by blue gospel scripts and that you'll tune in next week you can cater to convention worry about the look avoid drawing attention do it by the book or admit you're only inching toward an ocean in a brook. And what's downstream may shock you, 
rock you till you're shook. When they tell you there's a heaven and say you wanna go, remind them heaven's angels prefer the earth below. The facts can crack foundations, the truth can be a crook, so tell them to tread lightly and show them that you're shook. It's okay to take a step back Or at least just take a beat If a thief can cry to Jesus Steal his bleeding heart What of justice, what of evil Or angels in the dark God wild draped between two nails Split the veil between its hooks The earth and heaven trembled And men and angels shook The earth and heaven trembled And honestly, I'm shook